Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 253 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today we're going to talk about female libido and how to build spark back in your relationship. My guest is Dr. Brandy Wilson Maniget. She is a OBGYN physician and she's a champion for women's sexual health. Before I tell you about our episode today, I want to invite you to download my book. It's completely free. It's my gift to you. I wrote it because many women who come to my private practice, they struggle with low desire and they don't know what to do with it. They feel overwhelmed taking action around it. So I wrote this book to help these women to identify some of the areas that they need to work on in order to build desire and it's filled with great resources. It's completely free. It's my gift to you. All you need to do is to go to the show notes and download the book. As I mentioned today, we're going to talk about some of the physiological causes of low desire in women. We're going to talk about FDA-approved insulin drugs that will increase women's desire, if that's a real thing. Dr. Brandy has worked with lots of women who have seek and look for a medical intervention for their low libido, so we're going to talk about that. More importantly, she's going to talk about how people of certain age think that they, it's expected for them to lose their sexual vitality. What can we do to help people, especially women, to feel empowered, women and men, to feel empowered around their sexuality? If you're a man, we love you too. This episode is for low libido for women. Next episode, I'm doing this full episode on men uh, with low desire. So if you haven't forgot about you, this episode, our focus is on women and next one will be on you. As I mentioned, our guest is Dr. Brandy Wilson-Maniget, aka Dr. Brandy, is touted by patients and peers like as one of the best OBGYN physician and surgeons. She has been published in respected medical journals and is frequently called upon by local and national TV print, radio, and online media to give a fresh perspective and new information on women's health trends. Dr. Brandy is a practicing physician and the founder of Brio Virtual Gynecology, a reproductive wellness company focused on helping women to maintain their reproductive health through workshops, telemedicine consultations, and second opinion visits. Dr. Brandy is the chief medical advisor of drbrandymd.com, where she helps women embrace their feminine essence so they feel good both inside and outside the bedroom. She has lots of accolades, her full bio in the show notes, but I want to make sure we're getting to the episode. So here's my conversation with Dr. Brandy Wilson Manigat. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. It's my honor to have Dr. Brandy Wilson Maniget on our show. Dr. Brandy, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I am very excited as well. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, you did it perfectly. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, we tried five seconds ago, <laughs> but I'm ter- terribly bad with pronunciation of the name. So I'm glad that I got it right this time. So today we are going to talk about women's libido, that we, we all hear all sorts of myth and misinformation about sexual desire and specifically when it comes to sexual desire for women. And I know that's one of your specialties and you're very passionate about this topic. So we are very excited. I am very excited to have you being part of this conversation. So tell us, what are some of the physiological causes of low desire in women? Well, I mean, for women, there are so many different things. It can be anything. And probably the biggest thing that I hear with my clients is fatigue. It's just being so tired. We're doing so much. We're not getting enough sleep. And we're just not resting. We're not in, in engaging in restful sleep. And when we do, it gets interrupted. So fatigue is probably the, the first thing that I see. And then there can be things such as depression, anxiety, even things like body image and being conscious of you know any weight gain or changes that are happening to your body things like hormonal imbalances. Typically when women come to me, you know, they're like, they come in to my office and they'll be like, you know, can you check my hormones? I think I'm in menopause. And I'm like, okay, well, why do you think you're in menopause? Let's talk about it. And, you know, a lot of times, and and they're young women, I'm, I'm not talking about the older women, but these are young women, 20s, 30s coming in. And, you know, we, we're having the conversation and I'm asking about, you know, are you having any hot flashes and noticing, you know, irritability, things like that. And they're like, no. And it's like, okay, well, you know, let's talk about it. So, but there are other hormonal things that can be out of balance that can give you low libido. Sometimes deficiencies in minerals in your body, like vitamin D the omega fatty acids, things like that can also contribute. So there's, there's like a laundry list of things that it could be. And uh, that's one of the first steps that I, you know, go through with my clients um, and with my coaching clients, because, you know, I want to pinpoint where, where the issues are. And the physiologic piece is definitely a part of it. But in my practice, I also will just look at some of the other things that could be, you know, a part of that. We're looking at the spiritual aspects of, of people's women's beliefs about sex and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. You know, the emotional piece, do I feel seen, loved, heard from my partner in a way that I feel safe and secure to open up to that? And even mentally, you know, do I feel like I am doing the purpose and the things that I'm put on this earth to do? Those things all will factor into a woman's sense of self and also her sense of being sensual and sexual. So we we cover all of those things. Well, it's wonderful that you have a holistic approach because what I noticed with many, many women, they assume that if the desire drops or there's a lower desire in some season of life, automatically they think it's physiological. What kind of a medical intervention I can use to quickly fix it? I'm a big advocate for like, I, I love Western medicine. I love research. All of those things are wonderful, but 
as you said, it can be multi-layers. It could be as mm -hmm. at times as simple. And I'm saying simple because never simple. It's like a sleep issues or stress level or all mm -hmm. sorts of things can have profound impact or diet on your libido and also how are you showing up in life and in turn impacting your sex life. So going back to kind of a medical interventions, we all hear about all sorts of, I, I feel like I constantly get bombarded by these ads of like mm -hmm. supplement this, that, that instantly boosts, boosts your libido. And mm -hmm. also there are some medications that been out there for, for about a decade now that they, they promote, they promote it as a, a libido enhancement. So are there any FDA approved medication for women that you've seen it's been effective? Well, there are FDA approved medicines specifically for, for low libido. I think probably the first one that everyone was raving about was Adi. And I don't remember the generic name for it, so I apologize. But that one was a medication that was thought to be kind of the little pink pill, our, our <laughs> adjacent thing to the little blue pill that men have in Viagra. And so that was probably the first thing that we saw. And some of, you know, there were a lot of people who rushed in and were like, okay, yes, I, I'd like to have this. I'm having this issue. And with that pill, they did see with the studies that they did, they did see a slight increase in women's desire and satisfaction with sex and things of that sort. However, one, it did take a while for those effects to kick in. And with using that medication, they had some side effects, some nausea, feeling dizzy, things like that. And you had to not engage in any alcohol consumption while you were using that medication. And so, you know, that was kind of a drawback for some women because, you know, one of the ways that they begin to unwind and relax and able to be able to have sex is to maybe have a glass of wine or have a drink. So, you know, there were some definite drawbacks to that. There's also now an injectable form of a medication that can be used for low libido. It is an injection that you give kind of in, in the same time frame that you're going to be engaging in sex. So 30 to 30 to 60 minutes before you're about to have sex. But, you know, the thought of giving yourself an injection for some women is like, really, do I, do I have to go through all of this to be able to want to want sex again? And it's one route. And I'll be honest, you know, it's not my favorite route just because I know the different layers that go into even being able to have spontaneous sexual desire. And a lot of times the physiologic piece is the smallest piece. Like, yes, you can optimize those things, but you really do need to address certain issues. And even in my practice, I see women who have, you know, gone the route of those medications, even gone the route of like hormone replacement therapy with estrogen and testosterone and, and progesterone. And, you know, it works, but it, it works for a little bit. And then they're still kind of left with, okay, what do I do now? So I tell my clients and, and my patients who I see in the office, you know, I counsel them 
and give them the caveat that yes, you know, these can help, but they're not the panacea. This is not, you know, a one-stop shop. And there are things that you can do to really optimize your overall sexual health and wellness, aside from, you know, preventing pregnancies or getting pregnant if you want to, and preventing sexually transmitted infections. Well, it's wonderful that you are having these conversations with women about the other ways or a kind of like supplemental things that they can do to enhance the experience they have if they even they choose to take these medications. When I mm-hmm. with Addie, I kept hearing like I when my when my client like I had clients that they were using it, mixed kind of results. Some some women mm-hmm. they liked it, for some people didn't do much. I always wonder that with Viagra it seems like it's more consistent mm-hmm. with results. Like, of course, mm-hmm. if you are very anxious or some issues, it will be hard to see results. But with Adia, it seemed like it wasn't as predictable as far as mm-hmm. the result. Mm-hmm. How, why do you think is the reason? Well, the reason that I think is because with Viagra, it was it was specifically treating erectile dysfunction. And for those of you who don't know, it was specifically treating a diminished amount of blood flow into the, the male meat member, the penis. And so it was great at dilating the vessels so that the blood could flow to the area. Well, for women, a loss of sexual desire isn't necessarily associated with decreased blood flow. There there are so many different reasons. There's even, you know, different categories for, you know, what's happening with the woman, whether it's decreased desire you know, not being able to get this, the physiologic symptoms of arousal, not being able to orgasm, and then some pain syndrome. So there, there are quite a few different reasons that could be impacting why a woman's desire is low and low blood flow to the genitals is not specifically one of them. So I, I'm not surprised. Like when it came out, I was like, okay, well, let, let's see. And then when the data showed that there was just, you know, a, like out of the women who had taken the medicine and the women who hadn't, the placebo group, there was maybe one extra sexual episode that happened in a month first over the placebo. And so I'm like, yeah, well, there, there are probably a few reasons for that. One, you know, we are a little bit more complex than just, okay, increase some blood flow to the genital area and we'll be fine. So I, I was cautiously optimistic. And then when I saw the data, I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, it's very interesting how uh, women and men, like I guess vulva owners and penis owners are different when it comes mm-hmm. to arousal. I think that's that's fascinating. And I think it's important to know the data because what, what happens is sometimes women think, okay, this is the pill. It's a deep pill mm-hmm. that's going to make me feel sexually excited. And when they don't see the result, they, they feel they're defective. There's something wrong with them. They're beyond repair versus thinking mm-hmm. about, okay, this works for some women. And there's a kind of big category of women that th- this is not the solution for them. And there's a galaxy of options out mm-hmm. there with more holistic medications, with supplements, are there any supplements that they have good research or kind of fair research as far as the efficacy? Do you recommend supplements mm-hmm. to your clients? I do all the time, all the time, actually. One, just because as a physician, overall health is my, my bag. So <laughs> we got to get you optimized for sure. 
So definitely a multivitamin. I, I want you to be taking that. Definitely um, vitamin D because most of us are deficient in vitamin D. And that helps on a number of different levels in terms of your overall health and decreasing your risk for colon cancer, improving your cardiovascular health and improving mood, which is another one of those things that can impact your desire for sex, whether you have depression, anxiety, things of that sort. So giving that is helpful for women who are experiencing issues. Um, Magnesium level or magnesium supplements, because a lot of women who I talk to are not not getting restful sleep. They're not getting good sleep. They're having problems falling asleep, having problems staying asleep. And so magnesium is a great way to give the, give you something that your body needs that can also help you with being able to sleep well. So th- those are kind of, you know, my broad foundational things. And then depending on what's going on, I may, you know, suggest an omega fatty acid supplement, especially if a woman is not experiencing as much lubrication as she'd like, because that helps with, with the production of lubrication in the vagina. I may recommend something like a maca or ashwagandha because those are one good at helping your body to deal with and manage the effects of stress but they also do have some libido effects in helping women to, that's what they found kind of side effects. Like you're taking this for something else. And then you're like, oh, and by the way, I'm feeling like I'd like to have sex more often. So those are, those are probably uh, the handful of things that I'm like, yeah, if I can, if I can influence anybody one way or the other, those are the things that I'm usually like, let's, let's get those on board. What a wonderful host of suggestions with magnesium. I know some people, some of my clients, they take ZMA supplements at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Is that something mm-hmm. that can be useful? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I Excellent. Again, so. there are an alternative kind of seems like number of different options that people can look into to improve mm-hmm. their kind of like the overall health that can help them with oh, yeah. kind of sexual functioning. And what a wonderful side effect that you're having this mushroom and you're feeling mm-hmm. more desire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those are one of exactly. the side effects that I would want to have always, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> the other thing I hear lots of questions about is sexual vitality. When it comes mm. to women, people have questions about, is there a certain age that you will lose your sexual vitality? Is that something that mm-hmm. you see? So I, I think there is a big mis- misconception, a big myth around that. And kind of like that menopause question that I get you know, there's this thought process that, oh, okay, once you reach a certain age, your sex drive just kind of poof goes away. But it truly is not something that happens. So what what the data shows is that most women throughout their, their lifetime have just kind of a certain thought process, idea about what's going to happen sexually. And depending on culturally what's going on, you know, the women that are around them and how they are experiencing sex as they are aging, you know, women will take that on and believe that that's what is what's happening and what's supposed to happen. Like I have patients who come in 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 their 60s and one of my, my frequent questions that I ask if a woman is coming in for like her annual exam, although they're not annual anymore, but coming in for her annual exam, I'm like, you know, 
Are you experiencing any issues with sex and pleasure? Are you enjoying your sex life? You know, we talk about, I, I at least ask about these things. And, you know, invariably there'll be someone that says, you know, uh, uh, quite a few women who'll be like, I'm too old for that. And it's like, no, no, you're not actually. And <laughs> if, let, let's talk because that could be helping so many other things in your life if you were experiencing that pleasure on a regular basis. So it's a misconception that sex drive decreases. Now, does it ebb and flow? Yes. There are so many things that can happen that will make it go down. It can make it go up. Childbirth for one, pregnancy for one. If there's relational stress, if you and your partner are, you know, not seeing eye to eye on something, you know, in the short term or even, you know, long term, just resentments that build up. You know, if there's extra stress going on because you're trying to take care of a parent or a child, you know, there are so many reasons for why your, your sex drive can go up and down. But in general, aging does not seem to be the reason for a decrease. It tends to be more about what your thoughts were when you were younger and what you were exposed to and what you project is going to happen. Well, I, I'm so glad that you brought it up because I feel there is this misconception, as you mentioned, around aging, especially around women, that older mm -hmm. women are not meant to be sexual or like sexuality desire expires at certain age. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a show a few months ago and, uh, and the person was talking about an expert that, you know, orgasm used to be awesomeness of it was like you're sitting in an oceanfront restaurant next to the ocean when you age, it's like sitting inside behind the foggy window. I was like, oh, mm. God, this is horrible. Right, that sounds so depressing. Wait. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, wait a minute. So I called, mm -hmm. like, in our family, we don't talk about sex as much. But I had to call, like, fact check. I have a sister. Mm -hmm. She's, like, six mm -hmm. years older than me. And my mom was like, okay, very odd conversation. Is that true? Mm -hmm. And they said, absolutely not. It's mm -hmm. a matter mm -hmm. of your expectation. And I think it's yeah. important to yeah. have that expectation, thinking about, well, things can happen in life, as you mentioned, that impact your libido, orgasm. At times when you're older, maybe you have health issues. It's not the case mm -hmm. for everyone, but you might mm -hmm. have health issues or perhaps you, your relationship with your self-image can change. So all those mm -hmm. things can perhaps impact your libido, but aging on its own, I'm hearing that, or at least the research I see, it's not necessarily indicating that will diminish your desire. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So if there is an issue and you're noticing that there is, you know, a decline, then you want to go in and, and talk with your doctor and see what can be done. But I'll, I say that, I say that with a grain of salt because not all not all physicians or medical providers are well-versed in what to do when it comes to low libido or even, you know, decreased sensations with orgasms and things like that. And not all gynecologists even are well-versed in that. I have this special skill set and passion partly because I struggled with low libido for a long, long time, starting in my late 20s. 
And, you know, it got to the point where it was, nothing was working and, you know, my relationship fell apart because of it. And I was just devastated. And I'm like, I can't do this. And I got to figure something out. So, you know, over probably 10 or 12 years, I was going to conferences, going, reading books, looking on the internet, all of this stuff to try to figure out, you know, what happened to my sexy and can I get it back? (laughs) (laughs) And so... Once I, you know, once I found that out and I was like, okay, these are some things and these are some of the practices, you know, and I ended up having to create my own system really for how to do things. And I, you know, I was in private practice as I was developing all of this stuff and I would have my patients coming in and I I talk to them and say, Hey, listen, you know, what's going on. And they tell me what's going on. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Right. They go home, they do it. They come back and they're like, Dr. Brandy, thank you so much. You have changed my life. So, you know, from that, I was able to say, okay, you know, one is not just me. This is not just me. I'm not broken alone out here by myself. And, you know, I have something, I have some information. I have this great education that I can provide for people, provide for women and help them to find their feminine essence, help them to find their sexy. And I like to, I like to say, you know, I teach women how to feel good in and out of the bedroom and I teach them how to get their sexy back. And so, you know, you may not have a gynecologist who has all of that, but I have, you know, I've I've personally taken on that mantle because I I don't want women to go through what I went through with the breakup of my relationship because sex, sex is not frivolous. A lot of times we have this idea that sex is just this frivolous thing and it's not important. It's at the bottom of our to-do list. But it truly is one of those things that can make or break a relationship. And so that's, that's kind of why I do what I do. And not, not a whole lot of practitioners have that story and that background and that, that passion that they bring to this work. A lot of times it's like, okay, well, let's just give you some estrogen. Let's give you a little testosterone. And then I'll see you in three months. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And what a beautiful journey that led you to support so many women. You're absolutely right that most, I would imagine, based on my experience, that most clinicians, they don't, most physicians, they don't ask about sex. And I think one of the challenges is that they don't, when I talk to my colleagues, they say like, we don't know what to recommend. If someone says Mm -hmm. like, this is what I'm struggling and you have 15 minutes and you're opening the floodgate, that can be overwhelming. You you want to help people, but if you don't have resources, you don't have time, that can be challenging. It's wonderful mm-hmm. that you develop this program, you have systems and also passion mm-hmm. to talk about yeah. these things. And I think sometimes what we say to our clients is rooted in our beliefs because I have a client that she is right now in postmenopausal years. She want to have good sexual experiences and part of her challenges is her medication. She's on antidepressant mm-hmm. and that leads to issues around kind of like experiencing orgasm. And she was telling mm-hmm. me that I went to my doctor, said what you said, and she said, you know, sex is not that important. <laughs> 
<laughs> make sure you're taking what? your medication and, oh. I, and it like <laughs> and it was her the physicians and I guess that's what the client reported but that's mm-hmm. like I can imagine that's rooted in the person's belief so I think mm-hmm. it's important that to ask people and also kind of reaffirm that sexual mm-hmm. health is important I tell my clients like to go tell your doctor that my sexual health is important for me <laughs> What can mm-hmm. I do about it? So we're right. kind of like making that declaration. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, a lot of people do think that sex is frivolous, but sex, good sex and good orgasms actually have health benefits. So it helps you to, you know, lower your blood pressure. It helps you to decrease stress. It helps you to sleep. It is a great mood booster. It actually has, they did, there was a study that came out that said that women who were having good sex and good orgasms actually were judged to be better leaders. Mm. And they thought it was because of their increase in their creativity and their problem solving skills. So it's not frivolous. This can actually affect your bottom line because if you're seen as a leader, you get promoted, you get more money. So there is kind of this sex money connection. So it's not just this, oh, well, whatever. If I'm not having it, I'm not having it. It's fine. It is really important to who you are as a woman, who you are as a person. And, you know, my, my specific religious beliefs around it are that, you know, God created sex for it to be pleasurable for all people involved. So it's not just for your partner to enjoy. It's not something that you have to give to them, but you're not getting anything in return. You know, it's supposed to be pleasurable for you and it's, it's a gift for you to have. So, you know, it's not frivolous and it's not, it's definitely not something to just poo poo if you're not having it and you're not enjoying it. Well, you didn't see me, but I wanted to have a standing ovation. (laughs) I loved all of it and you know the huge part of our listeners are also male and they're in heterosexual relationship and one Mm -hmm. of the challenges at time I hear that people get stuck in this cycle of one of the partner at times are struggling to experience desire and the relationship gets stuck I'm against the sense of entitlement that you must give me sex, right? No one likes Mm -hmm. that. But there's so many loving people out there that they want to support their partner without putting pressure on them. What can a partner do to help their partner if they're in a heterosexual relationship that to kind of like to support them in this journey? Uh, I say heterosexual Mm -hmm. uh, relationship because I see that challenge of the pressure more in my heterosexual clients versus my lesbian clients. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think first and foremost is just to be able to have dialogue have conversation, have communication. And it doesn't even have to be specific things with sex, but it can be just communicating with your partner about, you know, what sex means for you. Because a lot of times what I find in heterosexual couples is that us as women, we are looking for the emotional connection and feeling, you know, loved and all of that. 
And that is what then leads to sexual desire and wanting to be intimate. Whereas with a partner, with their partner, he is like, okay, I want to have sex with you because I want to generate that sense of connection and closeness. And so we're operating from two different sides and it's like, oh my God, why do you want to do this to me? You haven't connected with me. And it's like, but I want to do this because I want to connect with you. So, you know, just opening up to your partner about what it is that sex actually means for you. And sometimes that can be hard to know because for, for our men, we, we have not socialized them to tap into those emotions and feelings. And they may not know that that's what, what it is that is happening. They just are like, this feels good and I want to do it. So that's probably the first step. And then the second step I would say is as frustrating as it can be, if your partner is not in the mood, don't try to force the issue because that can have a whole kind of negative feedback where you're pushing the issue. She really doesn't want to. She ends up doing it because you're pushing her. And then there's all these negative associations in her head. Like, I don't like this. And he's making me do something that I don't want to do. And then it doesn't feel good because you really don't want to be there. So then it's like, and it doesn't even feel good. So why should I even put in the effort? And it just, it's this cycle. So if I had to give two things that would be helpful, I would say having conversations about what it means for you and, you know, asking questions for, of your partner to find out what it means for her, asking her, you know, what she would need in order to feel open and receptive to sex. And then, you know, just being understanding and not forcing the issue. And I'm not talking about, you know, rape or any of that stuff. I'm just saying sometimes it can get to a point where it, it is a very hard push, even though it's not in that kind of abusive setting where it's like, no, well, you're, you're supposed to give this to me. You're my wife or my, you know, my long-term partner, and I should be able to get this and all of that. Like that, even just that is very, it can be very damaging. And then, you know, I, I do offer coaching for women and different ways of supporting women in that. So if you're, if your partner or wife is having issues, you can always talk with her about having a session with me and we can see how to best support her and help her on that journey. Absolutely. And I think sometimes when we have a third party that can help us with additional tools and facilitating conversation, that can be very powerful because sometimes we've been in these loops for years. And I think it's really important that you brought up the open, opening up the conversation because what happens at the beginning of many of the relationships that I see with my patients in my office is that people tend to, the history of good sex and then something happened and one of the partner initiated sex few times, the other partner didn't want it, they feel rejected. So then there was no conversation around this. No one mm -hmm. wanted to feel rejected. No one wanted to feel pressured. And exactly. then people are avoiding those conversations. And mm -hmm. unless we're having this conversation, we cannot see a way through. And sometimes when we're having this conversation, we realize that, okay, we need additional tools and mm -hmm. uh, services like yours can be a fantastic resource. So tell us more about your coaching. 
So I do coaching in a couple different ways. So I do sometimes do workshops and different kind of group coaching things where there are multiple women in and, and you know, it's, it's a private closed group so that women feel comfortable to share what's going on. But that's one way that I support women. And, and we go through various different topics of, about sex. I think the last group that I did, we just kind of talked about the ABCs of pleasure and how to, how to get more pleasure in the bedroom. And we talked about so many things around, you know, knowing what points on your body will, can give you pleasure because there's at least 10 that you can stimulate for orgasm. We talked about ways to amplify or maximize your pleasure using different tools like lubricants, toys, even just visualization to help with certain things. So that's one way, group in a group setting. And then I also do offer a one-on-one -on -one coaching package where I walk with a, whim, a woman through a process over about eight to 10 weeks and we literally dig into where the blocks are. We look at ways to either bust through those blocks or work around those blocks. We talk about what makes for good sex and how to be able to achieve that. We talk about how to unlock your biggest sex organ, which is your brain, and tap into the pleasure centers in your brain so that you can more easily step into a space and a place of wanting sex and being receptive to sex. You know, I even work with women to have like this little cheat sheet of, okay, my husband or my partner wants to have sex. I, I'm not quite there. What do I need? What can I do to kind of get there? And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, honey, I need about 15 minutes. And they, they take from this checklist of things and then, you know, they go from no to go in like 15 minutes or less. So we, we develop that. And then we talk about, you know, some of the basic tenets for making sure that you're having regular good orgasms. So I give you a, you know, a toolkit to kind of decipher how you can have orgasms on a more regular basis, because that's another complaint that can tie into low desire. If you're not enjoying sex, if you're not getting the orgasms, which the data shows that most women are not, about 60% of the time they may, and the other 40%, you know, they're not enjoying sex and not having orgasms. And although that's not the end point, that is important. So we talk about how you can increase the odds, so to speak. So that that's the one-to-one -one program that I offer. What a wonderful comprehensive program that sounds, because I think the idea of just do it, <laughs> leave mm -hmm. women to the place of dissatisfaction, frustration, and resentment. But mm -hmm. if we can find a guideline or way that works for us and we're experiencing good orgasm, then you will be more willing to have sex. So I, mm -hmm. I bet many of our listeners are kind of curious about how can they get a hold of you? So what are some of the places <laughs> that they can get a hold of you? Well, definitely um, you can find me on my website at drbrandymd.com. That's D-R-B-R-A-N-D-Y-E-M-D.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Brandy MD. 
yeah, I think probably the the easiest way to get in touch with me is either through direct message through social media or booking a strategy session or a consult on my website. Awesome. So the information for those sites will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for doing this work. I think it's incredibly important and I can feel your passion. I can hear that how, how much you enjoy doing this and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to having you in our future sessions. All right. Thank you so much. This is so fun. I, like you said, this is my passion. I really do love to, to talk about sex and pleasure and helping women to get that same passion when it comes to sex. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you guys found the information of this episode useful and gave you good information about what to do to optimize your sexual health and specifically your libido. At the end, I wanted to remind you that if you haven't entered for our free giveaway quiz, this is the time, as I mentioned in last few episodes, that I'm planning to produce a content that's tailored to what you're interested to learn. This we're almost on our fifth year of having this like airing this podcast on a weekly basis. And I was looking through the catalog and we covered every single sexual dysfunction at least three to five times. So we are due for a updo and change. So that's why I need your opinion. And as a way to say thank you, you will enter to get a giveaway. This is the last week we're doing this. So make sure if you have been procrastinating, taking a couple minutes to give us the feedback and I will be super grateful for that. All right. Thank you so much for your time and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.